Hello, welcome to Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King Kingaparcha Historical Society, and I'll be your host for this television series. UMGA-TV and the Historical Society are continuing this series as an oral history project of life and community in Upper Marion Township. In their own words, we want the people who live the history of Upper Marion Township to tell us about that history. This edition features Frank Murphy. Frank was born and raised in Sweden. Frank attended Sweden Elementary School, Upper Marion High School, and Westchester State Teachers College. He then came back to Upper Marion High School as a teacher and went on to coach the high school football team for 16 years. Let's sit back and listen to Frank Murphy remember when. Hi, Frank. I want to thank you for coming by today. All right, Doctor. It's good seeing you. Oh, it's my pleasure. See, so, you. uh, you're a longtime resident here of Upper Marion, uh, and uh, would just like to get some of your story. Absolutely. That'd be fine. Um, were you born here in Upper Marion? Yes, I was. Where shall was I that? Give, shall I give the date and age myself? <laughs> uh, 1932 uh -huh. in a small town in Upper Marion called Sweden. The people now that come into Upper Marion, they think it's King of Prussia, and Upper Marion is part of King of Prussia. I say, uh-uh. It's Upper Marion Township, composed of a lot of smaller towns, Sweden, Swedesburg, Gulf Mills, Port Kennedy, King Manor, Hughes Park, to mention a few. Mm. So yes, uh, I was born and raised in Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents, Elizabeth and uh, Francis, who are both deceased, and my dad was the postmaster in Sweden. To give you a little history on the town, the town was owned by Allenwood Steel Company, and you're familiar with right. Allenwood. When I say it was owned by Allenwood, Allenwood came in. This is history I get from people I talk to, from my aunts that are still living. Uh, Allenwood came in and they built the town. All the homes built in Sweden at that time were built by Allenwood. And anyone that lived there uh, worked for Allenwood Steel Company. And uh, we had, I used to call it a melting pot because we had people from all over. We had people from Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Hungary. A lot of them did speak English. And that was the town. That's what it was made of. Uh, I can relate to it because I was there. As I said, my dad was the postmaster. And he started in 1940. And within our house on B Street, that is where the post office was. We had one room that had a separate entrance and like clockwork, the people would come in at 7.30 to get their mail. It was delivered from Bridgeport. Mail would come into Sweden and you could tell the people's jobs by the type of mailbox they had. The people that were a little more affluent had private mailboxes with combinations. Other people had general delivery, but it was a gathering place. So the post office would open at 7. People would come to get their mail. It would close at 12. It would open again at 3. Mail would be delivered at 5, and they'd come back again. And it was closed at 6. Twice a day delivery. That's what it was. <laughs> right. And uh, my dad retired in 19, let's see, what was it, 68. So he was there 28 years as postmaster. And it was a fourth-class office, which they no longer have. Mm -hmm. And then it became a third class, and then it was absorbed by King of Prussia. So the people in Sweden that have been there forever, still on their 
postcards or anything they send out, they put Sweden PA. They don't mm -hmm. use the King of Post. Well, it's one nine four zero six. Right. So the older people there still, still do that. But uh, I look back at my childhood in the little town of Sweden. Of course, we yeah. didn't have what we have now as far as your sports, et cetera. But uh, we had our own school, and it was an eight-room schoolhouse, and it went from first grade through sixth. And uh, in the earlier grades, you stayed in one room, and they taught you math, science, whatever. And then when you got to fifth grade, you started to change classes. And we had a principal there. We used to call him Jigsy Arnold. I don't know why. But he used to live in Norristown at the Moose. And he would come in every morning on the bus, Schuylkill Valley, mm -hmm. walk up the street. He had the high-booted shoes, and he was tough. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, you know, our education system right. as far as elementary school. Now, again, getting back to Allenwood Steel Company, uh, during the war years, that place was going 24 hours a day. Right. And they had ship work. Right. You'd have people working 8 to 4. Then you had people working the uh, 4 to 12 shift. And then you had the 12 date. And you would constantly see the workers. And they all walked, carry their lunch kettle, walk down to the steel plant. And that was their way of life. life. Yeah. And in that town, I said, we had the post office, which was a central point or a focal point. And uh, we had our own little grocery stores. And you would go in and you would buy your groceries uh, on the book. You didn't pay cash for them. Hmm. They knew you would get paid every two weeks. So you'd run a tab. And you'd go in and put it on a book. And in two weeks, like clockwork, the people would go in and pay for their groceries. And that's the way it was. As small as the town was, they had two tap rooms. <laughs> they had Martellas. <laughs> okay. And uh, they had another one, Front Shocks, Squinchy Front Shock. Then they had the firehouse. And uh, the firehouse had the one-armed bandits. Oh, did Remember they? Remember the whole, yeah. Oh, yeah. They had oh, the yeah. slot machines yes. back then. I'll never forget as a kid, I guess I was a senior in high school, and uh, our baseball practice was called off. And my dad said, I have a treat for you. We went up to the firehouse, and I saw my first TV. The Detroit That's Tigers crazy. played the Philadelphia Athletics. I'll never forget it. What year was this? I guess it was 49 or 50. Yeah. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I can't believe this. They're in Philadelphia, and I'm watching the game. Right. <laughs> I was such a baseball oh, fanatic yeah. as a kid, and the A's were the big team right. back then. Are you familiar with that at all? Oh, yes. And uh, if they were playing away, they would get it on ticker tape. Did you ever hear yes, that? Yes, yeah. The, the, uh, the radio would yeah. uh, broadcast, you yeah. could hear the ticker tape right. in the background. So you'd be listening to the game. I'd be glued to the radio, and they'd say, there's a long fly ball. He's going back, and you'd hear the ticker tape. Oh, it's a home run. <laughs> so that's, that's the way you got your away yeah. games. Yeah. And when they played at home, of course, not having TV, Byron Somm, who was the big announcer back then, uh, did the games. So it was quite a town. I have a lot of great experiences. Yeah. Uh, my wife always says to me, well, what did you do when you were a kid? Well, when we were kids, we played ball. If it was football season, I mean, we didn't have Little Lake or anything right. like that. 
But if we were in elementary school, football season, we'd go up to the school, get our own teams, and play rough and tumble. Yeah. If it were basketball, say, yeah. Say a lot. <laughs> yeah. If it were basketball, we'd go out on a corner and shoot hoops. Right. I remember at the back of our house, we uh, we made a backboard. Just uh -huh. got three pieces of one by six and nailed them together and got an old hoop. Yeah. And the baseball season, now this is funny, I think. At our school in Sweden, uh, we had what we called a ditch that ran by our baseball field. Our baseball field was way down at the bottom. And as kids, we didn't know anything about environmental hazards. Right. So we had this ditch that ran by, and we used to call it the acid ditch as kids. So myself being a third baseman, if the ball was hit, and it would win the acid ditch, well, I'd run over, reach my hand, <laughs> get the ball. And you as a doctor can appreciate this stuff. Get the ball, throw it back a little bit later, out of habit. But that acid ditch, basically what it was, I found out later, uh, Allenwood Steel Company, had a lot of waste materials because they did a lot with the iron and right. steel and the melting and so forth. And they would take all this residue, which was a tarry substance now. I don't know what was in it. <laughs> and they would dump it over by the golf course. You're familiar with golf, yeah, golf right. course. Mm -hmm. And uh, the area they dumped it was called the pit, P-I-T. Right. And what would happen by gravity, this residue would come down through this ditch right by Sweetland Elementary School, under Flint Hill Road, back behind what we call the bungalows. Then it would make a dog leg right, go under B Street, and get through what is now our park. There's a beautiful park down right. here in Sweetland. Continue down and run into the Schuylkill River. So right. yeah. that was all this hazardous waste. And I guess it was about, I want to say six or seven years ago, uh, there was a little bridge on Flint Hill Road, and it caved in. So when they came in and did the work, they said, that's all hazardous material <laughs> that had been there for years. years. When I think about uh, coke and coal, uh, we had an area called Copper's Coke in Sweden. Right. And uh, all the houses in Sweden, the ones that were fortunate enough to have a central heating system, Use the coke. I remember as a kid throwing coke on a furnace, stroking it, getting the ashes, taking right. the ashes out, carrying right. them across the street. But anyway, there were railroads that ran behind the homes on Summit Street. And I told you we had a lot of people, foreign people, that were in like the melting pot that worked in the steel mill. Like clockwork, in the morning, the woman would go out in their foreign garb mm -hmm. and had the aprons and they would pick the coke as the cars went by it would fall off and they'd pick mm -hmm. the coke off the track and put it in their aprons and that's what they used carried it back in the house yes it. yeah used it for heating and for sure for cooking sure i know the first home i lived in because now i'm going back when i was about three or four years old right uh we had a pump for water and it was I in did. the kitchen sink and there was no central heating I mean, not that I had to rough it, but that's the way yeah, it was back right. then. Sure. Uh, in the kitchen, we had a stove, and that heated. That was it. There was no central heating system. And a lot of the homes down there today still have heaters, but the heat rises, and that's the way they heat the homes.
Now, most yeah. of them have changed it yeah. over now, but there are still some. You know, you had roots, mm -hmm. and uh, I enjoyed my time there, and I still have two ants living there, yeah. and I yeah. do go and see them. It's a um, very f strong family-oriented community. Yeah. Now, it has changed, because now where the school was, there's no longer a school. Right. It's what we call Williamsburg Commons. They have one part of the school left, and it's a nursery school. I'm talking about off of right. B Street. Right. And behind that, you have all kind of townhouses. I'll bet there's 150 townhouses mm -hmm. in there that are now selling close to $200,000. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. And I was telling you about the one little store, right. Martella store. Right. Right. By the way, Ogie Martella went on and became a football coach at Upper Marion. And I replaced him. He was my mentor, really. Wow. And uh, he was a Penn State grad and played baseball with the Phillies. But that store and bar and homes are gone, and there are new townhouses there. There are six new yeah. townhomes. Yeah. And uh, we had those built. I, was, I sold the ground and right. sold the homes. Right. Well, how f he went uh, to elementary school right there in Sweden. Yeah. And then yeah. what happened? Uh, after that, where'd you I'm go to school? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a little history on, you know, on the educational yeah. system at Upper yeah. Marion High School, sure. which I'm very close to. Uh, like I said, I went my six years in Sweden school. Mm -hmm. And the elementary system at Upper Marion back then consisted of Sweden. We had Port Kennedy, and I think that's now an office building, off Valley Forge Road, or up by the day, towers. Day? Is that a daycare or was it? No, no, that's not where the daycare is. The daycare is down where we have our uh, Matsung sewage or something. Yeah. But anyway, if you would continue up past the towers on the right-hand side where we had the old Valley Forge Road, mm -hmm. there was a little five-room school or four. It was, you know, like you see in the old yeah. days. And it was the Port Kennedy School. So people from that area went to Port Kennedy. Mm -hmm. So we had Sweden. We had Port Kennedy, and I'm going to call it the old high school, which is South, or South Gulf Road right. and Henderson. That was our high school, but it also housed the elementary school. So one end of the building went from one through six, and uh, that was elementary. And then the high school, everyone was in one building, one through six, and it picked up seven through 12. That was our system, mm -hmm. so we had three schools. And uh, when I left Sweden, of course, I went into Upper Marion High School. And we used to think it was a big thing. We rode the bus, right? and they only had four buses back then in Upper Marion. I don't know how many they have now, but uh, there were four school buses. When you look at sports, of course, that was right. you know, my interest. Mm -hmm. we, we didn't have Little League, like I said, but we did have junior high sports. We had junior high football, basketball, and softball. Uh, we didn't have all the sports they have now. But I was fortunate. Uh, I played all three sports the three years I was there, football, basketball, and baseball. And uh, I don't know whether you, did you hear this movie Hoosers? It was a basketball yeah. film that took place in Indiana. And basically it was a very small school and they had a good basketball team. And then the basketball team kept moving forward in the playoffs. And the 
final game in the playoffs, they went to, I think it was one of the gyms, Bradley, which was a big university, and the kids on the team were in awe. You know, they went in. And I said to my wife, this is unbelievable. When we were in high school, my junior and senior year in basketball at Upper Marion, mm -hmm. we went to the district finals, and we went down to the palestra. Oh. So here we are. We're just little. Hick School, I guess, because Upper Marion back then was all farms. Right. There was nothing there. So our gym, uh, it was small. We had a right. very, very small gym. You almost, if you were going to take the ball out, you were against the wall. Okay. So here we were. We won three games. Now we're going down to the district final. And our coach takes us down, and we got there early. And we went into the palestra, and I mean, your depth perception, because now you're looking up and there's, looks like there's no ceiling. <laughs> right. And the baskets were on portable, right. you know, on the wheels and they wheel them out. So when you're used to playing in a small gym and now you see this, you had to acclimate yourself. Plus they had glass backboards. If you, oh boy, we lost, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was quite an experience. It has to be. Yeah, yeah. For and we did it two straight years. And, uh, 40, 49 and 50, because yeah, yeah. I got out in 1950. You, you graduated in 1950, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I only have, of all the sports I played, you know, from junior high to senior high, and I went a year to Malvern Prep, mm -hmm. and in four years in college, only one of my coaches is still living. Oh. Yeah. Um, were there, in the Sweden area, were there any churches at the time? We only had the one church, and you know, I'm, to this day, I'm not sure what it was. It wasn't Episcopalian, it wasn't Lutheran, it wasn't Catholic. It was like, I, I don't know what it was. We used to call them, I don't know where I should say this, but holy rollers. Mm -hmm. Whatever that meant, that's what we as kids said. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what denomination it was. Mm -hmm. uh, I was brought up Catholic, so we went down to St. Gertie's in West Country Hockey. And uh, that's still there. And I have an aunt that still goes to St. Gertrude's. Right. But churches have changed so yeah. much. I mean, yeah. did, did they have a, uh, did St. Gertrude's have a, uh, a school? Yeah. Yeah, they only went uh, one through six. Right. And then West Country Hocken, which is now part of us, right. had their own school. And they were called the Hilltoppers. And everything was hilly down right. in West right. Country. And then, uh, I don't know what year it was that they came to Upper Marion. I know in about 1967, Bridgeport merged with us. I think it was 67. I think it was at the same time at was West, West Contoc. Uh -huh. that's, that's where they were redrawing the uh, school districts the, at, the, at the state level. And they incorporated West yeah. Contoc and then Bridgeport yeah. at but the same know, time. It's, uh, it's funny. When I was in high school, Bridgeport was our rival. That was our biggest rival, right across the bridge, bridge right, right there. Not right. across the bridge, but very close. Right. Because Swedesburg, which is part of Upper Marion, abutted Bridgeport. Right. So Swedesburg and Sweden and the kitchen mm. of Swedesburg went to Upper Marion. But that was our biggest rival, Bridgeport. Is that the Thanksgiving Day game? No, we didn't play on Thanksgiving then. At least when I was in school, we right. did not. Uh, but we played them every year, football, basketball, baseball. And I remember as a kid, this was funny, a kid, teenager, uh, sophomore, junior high school, we used to catch the bus at the corner of Flint Hill and B A Street. And when we go to play Bridgeport, 
the old timers mm -hmm. would be waiting there at the bus. You guys better do this. You better do that. <laughs> and they would all line the field back in those days. Right. You know, they had post and right. they had. Um, rope through the post and they would circle the field, circle the wagons. That's the way it felt. Yeah. But getting back to the high school itself, the way the high school has changed, uh, our coach was a real fanatic, good coach, Tom Campion and George Santora. I remember all of them. But anyway, our locker room was very, very small. I mean, when I say small, I mean tiny. So our coach decided we need a new locker room. So he went to Bob Strine. Did you know Bob Strine at all? No. He was a principal there way back when I was in school. As a matter of fact, he was very instrumental in getting me into college because I was to the point I was going to quit school. I was going to go to work at Allenwood Steel Company, but he and the coach got me together. But anyway, uh, the coach went into, into uh, Strine and said, we need a locker room. I want to use the bottom hallway. Now you got a picture. This is a two-story building with a basement. In the bottom hallway, we would go from our shop classes or the home ec classes on the other end through this hallway to the cafeteria. So it was a way of traffic right. flow, the same as we had on the first floor mm -hmm. and the second floor. But somehow Campion talked him into it. So they closed that bottom off. I picture this, a hallway with a door here, door on the other end. That was our locker room. Mm -hmm. They took two by fours, nailed them on the wall, in this long hallway. Mm -hmm. And about every two feet, they'd take a nail. Don't. Mm -hmm. That was your locker. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it was, yeah, yeah. you know, way back, way back when. Civil, but it worked, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was our locker room. Also, uh, nowadays, when you have your football equipment, you get a practice uniform, right. you get a game uniform. At the end of the season, they recondition everything. They send it out. When I was in school, I guess my senior year, we did get practice jerseys. So we had a gang shower right off this locker room okay. hallway and it had a ledge. You'd step up and there may be six shower heads. And what our coach did, maybe after two or three days, you'd turn in your whites. They would put them in that shower, block up the drain, take washing soap and pour it in there, turn on the showers, take a two by four, and stir them all around. That's how they got clean. That wasn't bad enough. The coach would hang the clothes at the back of the school. At the back of the school, he had a clothesline running from the building to the tree. So, you know, you talk about how things have changed. Uh, now, you as a doctor will appreciate this. When we practiced football back, I hate to keep saying when I was in school, but, you know, we're going back and to show how things have changed. Uh, we would start practice the 18th of August, and we would go three a day, morning, noon, <laughs> and the evening. You weren't allowed to drink water then. No, now you know how bad yeah, that sure. is. Yeah. You were not allowed to drink water. You wore the same woolen jersey for practice that you wore for the game until we started to get the practice stuff. And there weren't people dropping over from heat stroke or sun exhaustion, heat exhaustion or sunstroke. And it had to be because back then we didn't have air conditioning. We didn't have the malls. So we were used to the heat. We worked outside all the time. You're pretty well acclimated all yes. the time. Yes, yes. Because I remember when I coached, you know, a big concern was the heat. 
they used to come out with a sling psychometry. What is the thing they yeah. do to check the humidity in the air? And if it was a certain amount, uh, I'd say no practice, practice, which is great. Yeah, That's the way it, it should, should be. be. And the equipment we had back then, the helmets. Now they have, you know, the suspension helmets, right. the Riddell helmets. But back then we had leather. They were a leather helmet. helmet. And the manager used to come out with them on a bamboo pole because one size fits <laughs> mostly all, right? <laughs> right? So you just grab any helmet, run and out on you, the field. And you win. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it was. Yeah. And I'll never forget my senior year after we played two games, the school got enough money and they bought four Riddell helmets. And I was fortunate enough I wore one of them. And we had to wear them in school that day because we were playing that night. Right. And we had to wear these helmets. So things have changed. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and in basketball, we always had the high leather sneakers. Yes. Knee guards. Right. The shorter pants. Right. You used to wear a T-shirt. That was cool. And you wore your game shirt over the T-shirt. T-shirt. Right. But we had some good teams back then. Uh, in relating to Upper Marion, that's going to play this Friday. I wish yeah. Toto and the whole group, I'd love to see them win. Yeah. Uh, I remember back in 42, now some guys will love this if they see it on TV that when, in school right. then. Upper Marion went undefeated and unscored upon. 1942. I remember as a kid going to the games. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that, and I went over to see. Where was the uh, Where was the uh, football field at that time? Oh, <laughs> the football field is now where they have the soccer field. You know where the soccer field is at the old school? Uh, yes, behind it. Yeah. Yeah, they just put the lights up. Right. Well, that was our football field. I see. Yeah, there was uh, a track up in the far corner, and the football field was running. The one end zone was where Henderson Road is. Mm -hmm. And that was the football field. Yeah. We just think it was great. We'd come running down over the bank and the band would play. And, yeah. <laughs> okay. Back then we were the, it was the Spartans. Then when we combined with Bridgeport, we got a lot of great kids from Bridgeport. Uh, it became the Vikings. They, you know, all picked names right. and that was the name they came up with. So there's a lot of tradition. But, uh, and then, well, before, when I graduated from uh, Upper Marion, there were a couple classes I didn't take back when, I don't know how it was when you were in school, but we only had three courses. We had the academic course, that was for the kids that wanted to go to college, mm -hmm. and they got all the academic courses. We had commercial, and that was the secretary's typing. Right, right. And then we had a general course, and that was for the guys that were gonna go out and work. So as I told you, you know, I, I had taken a general course, I was actually going to quit school. My senior year, I took some academic subjects. So I was, I don't think I ever had algebra, that's what it was. So when I went to prep school, I went to Malvern Prep for a year and, uh, and took the academic courses that I needed to get in college. And that was a great experience too, at Malvern. That was a completely different life. There's a little guy from Upper Marion going to Malvern Prep, where we had the McGillicuddy's, which was Connie Mack. We had Bruder, which was the Bruder paint. I mean, very, you know, right. affluent families. What was the interact like? Right. Like you have now, you have Haverford Episcopal. But back then, as a postgraduate, and that's what I was, I graduated from school, you could play right. eligibility-wise. Now I don't think you can do it. 
but I went there for a year. And uh, after I got out of prep school, I went to Westchester. Now, that was a fairly common thing for students to do, uh, would be to take a postgraduate year, so to speak, before they started the college. Yeah, depending on what you had taken in your high school. You know, the kids that took the academic probably got in. Right. I know in my little town there weren't many kids that actually went to college. Mm -hmm. You know, they all went out and worked, which right. was fine. And uh, when I graduated high school, it was right during the Korean crisis. Mm -hmm. So all the guys I went to school with went to Korea. Of course, being in school, you, you know, you, uh, you didn't go because you were a college student. And uh, after college, I went in the Marine Corps and did my service time there. But anyway, getting back to college, it was State Teachers College then. Now it's a university, Westchester University. Mm -hmm. And I had, I guess the best thing happened to me there. Uh, I met my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> time well spent, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> of 48 years, yeah. you know, we just had our 48. And Congratulations. Did. Well, thank you. Yeah, I met Lois there at college, and she keeps me going. Okay. She straightens me yeah. out. I'm very hyper, and right. oh, little things bother right. me, but not her. Yeah. And uh, she never missed a football game when I was coaching. I'll talk about the coaching it, tour yeah. if you want me yeah, to. Yeah, sure, I'd like to. But uh, yeah, we're over now up of Hobbs Road in Upper Marion, and we have four children. When and you probably. Dr. all of them. <laughs> I have a daughter, Lois, who's the oldest, right. and uh, Janice, and then David, who has right. triplets, and Thomas, when you had them all. Right. And we have six grandchildren, and in the family we have triplets. After I got out of uh, college, Ogie Martella, who was my mentor when I was mm -hmm. coaching, he got me into Upper Marion High School as a teacher. And I helped him coach football. What did you teach? When I first started, I, well, I'm a phys ed major. Right. But uh, there weren't that many jobs, and I taught math and science. I had a uh, minor in science and history. I don't know how I got into math, but <laughs> I taught eighth grade math, math and, science. and science. And I did that for four years. And then when the phys ed job opened in the junior high school, right. I coached uh, the junior high school football team okay. for two years. And then when Ogie, it was time for him to get out of coaching, right. he highly recommended me. And I was fortunate. And 1962, yeah, 62, I became the head football coach. How many years were you coaching? In well, I was six years as an assistant and uh, 16 as a head coach. coach. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing in coaching, you know when it's time to get out. Because... If you don't enjoy going out August the 18th right. and practicing, and that, that happened, you know, it was time yeah. to move on. And uh, yeah, we had some, we had some good years. Yeah. Can you remember any special incidents that uh, comes to mind? Yeah, you know, uh, one of the games that always comes to my mind, unfortunately we won, we played Abington High School, and people that followed sports know that. And it was for the championship. And we were the type of team, we threw the football all over the place. It was nothing for us to throw 35, 40 times a game, and that's unheard of. Right. So we're going to play Abington, and they were undefeated also. And they run what we call a wishbone. That's strictly running the football. So it rained, and it rained, like 
for two straight days. So we were going to play them down at Abington. So Harry Fox called. Oh, we're playing. You're, we're playing the game. So anyway, we get down on a rainy Saturday. And Harry was the type of guy, he took 10, I'll never forget, 10 brand new footballs down. So we would get the new footballs when we had the ball. And the fans were great. I mean, it was crowded. Long story short, we were down by three touchdowns. Which was it? I think, not three. It was probably 14 or 16 points. We scored three touchdowns in 96 seconds. Holy mackerel. <laughs> The only thing, we scored them too quick because they got the ball back again. I figured, oh, geez. But anyway, uh, that's an outstanding game. Yeah. And it was written up. Right. And it was supposedly the most outstanding high school football game or the greatest game right. ever. As a matter of fact, I stopped over at our school to see Andy the other day to wish him luck. And uh, he said, look at this. And he's got it posted on his board for the kids to see now. So that, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's one you remember. Yeah. Uh, Joan always remembers the one that her son played in. Well, see, he played. He was a good football player. Yeah, Danny. Now he played for uh, Como. Yeah. So he was after me. Yeah. But I did. Which yeah. one was that? Oh, which that was the it was a Thanksgiving game. Uh -huh. Norristown. Uh, Norristown. Yeah. And uh, Upper Marion was leading, and in about the last ten seconds, why Steve Bono threw a hail mary. I saw it. I <laughs> saw it. I was at the game. I was standing with. Uh, Red McCarthy, did you ever remember yeah, him, the yeah, sports editor? Sure, yeah. And Tommy McDonald. Couldn't believe it. Of course, now Bono speaks for himself. Sure. sure. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but, Unfortunately, uh, that went the other way. But uh, she still, <laughs> she said, that brought so many tears to the whole family. Yeah, sure. Really <laughs> Absolutely. And the spectators. Yeah, sure. See, Norristown was a real traditional game for us. I don't want to put my hand there with the mic. Okay. Um, we were the little school. Right. When I was in school, we used to go scrimmage in Arstown. And we'd go over with 25, 26 players, and they'd have 60. Then in 1942, Upper Marion played Norristown for the first time. And that was the tie. Nothing, nothing at Roosevelt Field. Yeah. So uh, later on, Upper Marion picked up Norristown on their schedule when Ogie was coaching. Never beat them. Never beat Norristown. My first year in 1962, this was a big game for us. That was first year Upper Marion ever beat them. My first year yeah. in 1962, 62. we beat them 32 to 6. And it was like yesterday. The fans got so excited, they tore the goalpost down. <laughs> and the Norristown athletic director was on the PA saying, We have a game in the afternoon. Kenrick was going to play that oh. afternoon. But the goalposts were down. <laughs> and uh, the band and the buses, they marched from Roosevelt Field over to the Valley Ford Shopping Center. It was a big thing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. It was a big thing to us every year that we played them. So I'm sorry they, they did away with that. that tradition, but there had to be a reason for it. Uh, another game I remembered, we played Ridley Township, and Ridley had won 21 in a row. And it rained like anything. It was the other side of the coin. We couldn't throw the ball. We didn't have fast backs. Yeah. It was at our field. We played them. And they came like, no, we're not playing. So we beat them. We stopped their winning streak. Next year, 
<clears throat> we get down to Ridley. Now, Ridley had tradition. I don't know where you remember that tradition. They were one of the greatest teams in, around. But anyway, we went down the following year. Sunny day. We pull up in the buses. The Ridley fans have umbrellas. And they really started on our kids. We, kids seemed intimidated. First play, they run, they fumble. We pick it up and run it for a touchdown. Uh-uh. Blew the whistle. Back. They beat us 52 to 6. Oh. <laughs> they really laid it on. So I, I remember that. Yeah. So. But uh, there's a lot of history, you know, in this township. I remember when we had one policeman, and that was Johnny Tompkins, and there was a constable, Nels Camel. That's all we had for the whole Upper Marion. That was it. And that goes back. Okay. What year was that? Oh, gee, I guess it was in the 40s. Mm -hmm. I, I remember being in high school, and uh, Johnny Tompkins was, was the chief of police. Yeah. Do you remember anything else about World War II in terms of... Uh, now, see, World War II, I was... What I do remember was when Roosevelt gave the talk, like everybody else remembers. Right. And we went out, we were kids, I guess I was maybe seven or eight, I forget now. We went out and we played the war games. But uh, all my uncles, anybody that was in high school, went right in. I mean, that was the war. Right. Uh, but see, mine was a Korean. And that was a war that, you know, where we didn't have a winner or loser, they had an armistice. So I can't relate too much to that other than remembering as a kid, they had the stamps, the stickers for gas, right? Uh, the stamps to get sugar. And uh, within the town of Sweden, they had civil defense. And my grandfather was on that unit and they had the patches they'd wear. And the blackouts oh, and the yeah. blackout drills? Yes, absolutely. And the place that you'd ask about a church in Sweden, uh, we called it the chapel. And that's where they had all their meetings for the civil defense. So that, that I remember. I also remember as a kid going down to Atlantic City with my parents. If we were lucky, we went down once a year for a, a night. Mm -hmm. And they had the blackout on the boardwalk. Right. Yeah, they had the lights and the soldiers would, they took over all the hotels and uh, they would drill early in the morning. I used to think, that's unbelievable. Here's all these guys marching around on a boardwalk. So that's about, you know, what I remember in World War II. Yeah. Way back in Upper Marion, I'm going back in the 40s, they had tremendous wrestling. And they had it in one little room that's no bigger than this. That was right. their wrestling room. And they also had tremendous golf. See, in Upper Marion, we had this golf mills golf course, which is beautiful. I don't know where you're a golfer, but it's beautiful. I've never, I've never played it, but I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. And all the kids from Sweden used to go there and caddy. That's what they did. You know, mm -hmm. you'd caddy on a weekend. You'd carry double and make, make some money. Sure. And we had a golf team at Upper Marion. And the golf coach was a guy by the name of Norm Robb. As a matter of fact, he's still living, and he's 90, I think, 93 or 4, still living, totally blind. Right. But he was the golf coach. And we had one boy by the name of Toth who went up and played in the state finals and lost to Arnold Palmer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. So another thing we had in high school, now picture this now, we had a rifle club. Now, where it was, underneath the school, the old school, right. I keep referring to it as the old school, down where we had our locker room, right. <clears throat> there was a crawl space to the right. And the crawl space was under the auditorium. And it had a ladder where you would climb up. And that's where the rifle team or the rifle club, picture this, you bring in your 22. Right. <laughs> and they had a rifle club. And they would get down there, climb up these steps, and two or three would shoot at a time. Sorry. Yeah. Leave your rifle in your locker. Huh? <laughs> Wouldn't happen today. I don't think so. It's funny. The other day, <laughs> the other day I went over to school because I wanted to, to get some tickets for right. the game. So I go over to the gym and I can't get in. Thinking, what? Doors are locked. So I went over to the front building. They have to yeah. ring you in. It's a little bit of a fortress mentality there. Yeah. When I look at King of Prussia, for example, it used to be a two-lane highway on 202. Two. You know, you, you get in your car if you had one, and there was nothing. On the right was Walker Field. Right. And fields. Uh -huh. The left were Valley Forge Homes. It was just fields. We were farmers. Yeah. And uh, I remember a big thing for us when we were particularly basketball season in high school. We'd play on a Friday. And after the game, we'd go to a place called Ed Max. It was a soda fountain. Right. Did you ever hear that? Yeah, oh, sure. I heard about Ed Max. And right across the street was Woody's Driving Range. That's up it's where a, the corner is right. where Chili's is. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking about that the, the, uh, last time. Uh, I forget who was mentioned, but uh, we were just talking about that very same yeah. thing. Oh, it was Art Cummins that, that had well, talked Art's about Well, Art's been it. around for a long yeah. time. He was talking about and that very thing. You know, you look at uh, King of Prussia Road. You know, King of Prussia Road used to come right out to 202. Two. Yeah, right by the King of Prussia, where the King of Prussia used to be. Absolutely, yeah. And used to be able to ride all the way through. There was a road called, well, you know where Weedley Road is. Right. And then there's Old Weedley. Mm -hmm. Well, Old Weedley, excuse me, Old Weedley used to be the road that would come in off of South Gulf and would go up and attach to Hughes Road. But anyway, in the summer when I was a, I was a, uh, let's say a senior in high school, that summer I was working for Spot Manzo. Now, probably doesn't mean anything, but Manzo was a small contractor. He lived in Swedesburg, which was part of Upper Marion and they would make their own cinder block. Manzo Block, it was called, and he was a builder. So I labored for him. I would go out and mix the cement right. in a mortar box with one of those hoses with three right. holes okay. in. Then you'd take the cement up to the right. masonry guy and he carried a block. But anyway, we were doing this one job on Weedley Road. I'll never forget it. And I'm looking down and I'm seeing all this heavy equipment. I'm thinking, what in the world are they building? This was about 49.50. Right. It's the expressway. That's uh, putting that in, right? Yep, it was the expressway. Now, you know, they have a, a new Weedley Road. Right. The old Weedley, you, you can't get through because you have your expressway. Right. But that's what they were building. So that was 49 or 50. Do you remember the changes that took place when they put that uh, expressway in, as far as the community? Oh, 
I remember a guy telling me, Arthur Bueller, Arthur Bueller was on the school board way back. And he said, there's going to be a day you're going to see Upper Marion like 69th Street. Couldn't believe it, right? Now all of a sudden you have your expressway, you have your turnpike, and all the developments came in. Brandywine, Valley Forge Homes, Candlebrook, and I'm trying to hit them right. in, the, in the order right. they went. Because I remember Brandywine as being one of the first. I'm not saying right. it is, but right. that's one of the ones I remember. Valley Forge Homes. And then you got old Candlebrook and then new Candlebrook. Then we went across and we had Washington Park, Lafayette Park, new Lafayette Park. Then we went up to the end where we have Cinnamon Hill, Dark right. Hills, Lowell Terrace. Right. So it's, it's amazing the way this has changed things. The main arteries are main routes. And there's so many people that are coming into Upper Marion. But what, the, what I did, i never forget, I was working on the playground in Sweden when I was teaching for the school district. Every phys ed teacher in the summer, they would work in the playgrounds. Right. So that's what I did. So I was on the playground and Bill Wills. Do you remember Bill? No, I didn't. Uh... Well, there was Bill Sr. who was the tax collector. And there's Wills Boulevard that was right. named after him. Mm-hmm. Well, his son, Bill Wills, who has passed away, uh, was running the father's real estate business. That's when they had the office oh. up on uh, 202, where they had that sleeping, or no, the ski shop. Do you know where that is? Yeah. The ski mm-hmm. shop or yeah. sleeping snooze or right. something. Exactly. Well, that used to be a little strip shopping center. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first that came in. Right. There was Wills Real Estate. There was Kanasiak's Barber Shop. There was Weisbaum's Drug Store. Right. And there was Robert Lee Hardware. Yeah, I remember all those. Yeah. They were all right there. Yeah. And Bill just came out of the service in the Korean conflict and was running the real estate office for the dad. So I'm working on the playground, and Bill came down. He said, uh, why don't you get a real estate license? This was in 61. I said, oh, you know, I'm a teacher, but... But anyway, long story short, Bill talked me into getting a real estate license. So I've had a real estate license since 1962. And uh, was with Bill from 62 through, I think it was 75. And we were Will's Real Estate. And Bill said, there's no more room for a mom and pop store. Basically, that's what we were. Right. So everybody went franchise. Right. So Bill leased his building to Continental Realty. Right. And uh, that's where I met Bob Deliberto. Right. So anyway, Continental decided to move across the bridge and consolidate and have one office. So uh, got together with Bob Kane. I don't know where you know Bob Kane. No. He has Samson Paper Company. And Bob Mitchell, of course you right. know Bob Mitchell. And Bob Deliberto mm-hmm. and myself formed a corporation. And Bob Kane and Bob Mitchell bought the old Wills building, and we opened up as Prudential, Deliberto Murphy. And Bob Deliberto has been in real estate for like 30 years, and I've been in 1962. But the reason I'm bringing this up, when we talk about changes within the township, uh, when I got out of the service, I wanted to buy a home. I had about five hundred dollars. When, right? when was it? Go back for a second. You were in the Marines, you said. Yes. Okay. Let's then, see. That would have been 
Okay. You know, you kind of lose yeah. track. Okay. Um, I got out of college, I think it was in 55. And then I went right in the Marine Corps. I was an officer. Right. I went through the platoon leaders right. class, right. which was down in Quantico, Virginia. Right. And uh, I was there for two years. And then when I got out, Ogie Martella got me the job in teaching. And that's when Wilson would get a license and so forth. Right. And I went into the real estate with Bill. And then I was with Continental. And then when they left, we opened the real estate business. But when I got out of the service, I went to buy a house. Right. I had $500. I thought, geez, well, I'm loaded, 500 bucks. <laughs> so we looked around. Well, you were in pretty good shape. Yeah. $500 was a lot I of money. I <laughs> started teaching for $3,600. Yeah. $3,600 is what I taught. I coached three sports. Yeah. But anyway, we bought a house in Valley Forge Homes. We paid eleven seven. Never forget it. We got a VA loan at four and a half, and we were paying seventy-seven dollars a month principal interest taxes. And I figured, how am I going to do this? But those same homes now, Valley Forge yeah. Homes at eleven right. seven, mm -hmm. they're now selling on an average between one hundred thirty to one hundred forty-five. That's Valley Forge Homes, right. up where you are in uh, General Lafayette. Right. The price is there. Now. They, those homes haven't appreciated like they should because they're all masonry, but we're up to 270. Right. Yeah. And Cinnamon Hill, they sold for 14. They're now close to 200. So it's amazing how the prices have gone, which is great. And the interest rates are tremendous. I'm not trying to sell real estate, <laughs> but just yeah. you know, to, to relate to changes in the township. And the good thing about our township, I think we have so much to offer. People from all over are coming in here. We have good schools. Mm -hmm. We have a good township. Right. You take, everything is here. Tax base is low. So we have people coming from all over. Coming in, when we get a house for sale, bing, it goes. We were fortunate, my first year we had a real good football team. And we were playing for the championship, Springfield, Delaware County. I'll never forget it. And they beat us. And we had a week off and we were gonna play Norristown. So I went in the locker room like a dope after the game. And uh, I was very disappointed. So that was on a Saturday. Monday, my co-captains come in, I'll never forget it. And they said, well, when are we going to start practice for Norristown? Because I used to give them a couple of days off, and then we'd play the Norristown. And they said, I'm not even concerned about Norristown. They looked at me like, coach, well, what's wrong with you? But they actually taught me a lesson. Hey, it's Monday. We lost Saturday. It's Monday. Let's get ready for next game. And we did, yeah. and we were fine. Yeah. So kids do uh, teach you a lot. It's yeah. amazing where sometimes you get the... Uh, you get your lessons from the uh, most unexpected places. <laughs> yeah. Well, people said to me, do you think you could coach now? The kids are so much different. I said, you know, I don't think the kids are different. I said, the only thing I found different in coaching from when I started in 1962 to when I finished in 78, the only difference was in 1962, 63, 64, if you were a tight end, and the team got in a gap defense, and that was basically for penetration. I'd say to you as a tight end, you step with your left foot, you get your head in front, period. 
the kids later on, you would say, if they're in a gap, you step with your left foot, you get your head in front, because if you don't get your head in front, they're going to get the penetration and they're going to be into the backfield. So the only difference was you had to explain to them. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Tell me, uh, your wife, you met her at Westchester. Was she uh, from this area also? Yeah, Lois was from Shillington, which is right outside of Reading, little town outside mm -hmm. of Reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was a freshman when I was, I can't forget this, I guess I was a junior or a senior. Right. And she loved sports, and that's how I got to meet her, through the sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. and... Lois was going into her sophomore year, and we decided, hey, let's get married. And Because I would have been away for two years, and she came down with me down in uh, Quantico, Virginia. Yeah. And uh, then we came back up here. I see. Okay. And like I said, 48 years yeah. later. Hey. Another thing I remember about baseball, the ball has got to be so lively now. If you can take a guy, a second baseman, say, who's 150 pounds right. and swings late, and the ball goes over the right field fence for a home run. There's got to be something in there, you know? Yeah, right. As you heard, say, lively. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you didn't see the home runs way back that you see now. Of course, Ruth was, a, was an exception. But the athletes now, and I think you can appreciate this as a doctor, they're, they're stronger, they're bigger. We weren't allowed to touch a weight. Weights made you muscle-bound. Did you ever hear that right. say? Yep. You couldn't you. touch a weight. Now all these kids are on weight it's, training. Right. I mean, they do it a certain way, mm -hmm. in-season weights and off-season weights. But they're, they're very, very conditioned. Um, the sports have changed. Good. Well, Frank, I really appreciate you coming by today. Okay, I hope it's, I didn't ramble too much. You did a great job. I, I enjoyed okay. every minute of it. And uh, uh, you well, give us some different insights. That's great. I'm, I'm glad... Uh, you considered having me. <laughs> That's it for this edition of Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and your host for this series of Upper Marion Township's oral history. If you would like to make a suggestion or comment on this program, please use the following contact information. Thanks for watching. Until next time, and always, remember when.